Welcome to Dreadwood High. If you've ever wanted to be chased around the grounds by evil maniacs in clown masks while parasitic worms chew on your brain, then this is a school for you. I grin and turn to Mr. Canton, our teacher, who is busy ticking things off a piece of paper attached to his trusty clipboard. How's that? Not sure that's the impression we want to give, Angelo, Mr. C says from deep in his list. Me, Colette, Hallie, Gus and Naira are sitting in student services, a huge room with comfy sofas and quiet corners, drinking hot chocolate from the vending machine. It's the best place in school besides the well-being pig yard and the silent trees in the Dreadwood, where I always feel happy, even with all the things that have happened there. My friends and I have found ourselves in student services a lot over the past year, being summoned for check-ins after the traumas and dramas of school life. And traumas and dramas at Dreadwood High are on another level from failing exams or getting caught scratching graffiti on the desks. This is a school like no other, or at least it has been for us, club loser. Mr. C rushes around us, getting the room ready for a load of year five kids and their parents who are coming to suss out Dreadwood High. Wait, you forgot about fist fighting with genetically mutated giant spiders, Hallie says, miming a fierce uppercut. Spiders don't have fists, Naira raises an eyebrow. It was more like kick fighting with added pointy sticks. Gus puts his hot chocolate down on the table and grabs a school prospectus from what was a neat pile. Yes, Nai Nai, and I especially love that this could work in song form. Dreadwood High goated freestyle rap coming up. I'm going to work on some lyrics. He grabs one of Mr. C's spare pens from his pocket and starts scribbling. As much as I hate to stifle your creativity, Mr. C looks up from his clipboard. Now is not the time. We have T-90 minutes until prospective students and their guardians arrive for chalky chat. We all roll our eyes, but smile too, because as much as Mr. Canton has painful levels of cringe, we would never change him. And we definitely wouldn't want to calm his excitement for chatting with hot chocolate because it's got us out of many dull minutes of biology and RE. If you write it down, then technically you can't call it freestyle. Naira leans over Gus to see what he's writing. And that's not how you spell decapitation. Gus ignores her and carries on. Let's not have any decapitation talk while there are visitors in the school. Mr. Canton's starting to look stressed. The focus should be on your positive experiences here. The wonderful facilities, the array of extracurricular opportunities, the life-changing lessons. Biggest lesson we've learned here is how to survive, Hallie snorts. Treadwood high, fight or die, I say. That should be the new school motto. OMG, writing that down too. Grass is scrolling on the shiny DWH prospectus in a chaotic scribble and inserting sketches like he's Leonardo da Vinci, having a moment of perfect inspiration. What even is the school motto? Hallie bum shuffles across the sofa to read Gus's rap masterpiece. I didn't know we had one. Naira stares at Hallie like she's just said the stupidest thing ever. It's on the school crest, Hallie shrugs. The crest that's displayed on a hundred places around the school buildings? Naira sighs. The crest that you were literally wearing on your blazer. We all look down at the embroidered badges on our uniforms like we've never noticed them before. Ah, oh, yeah, Colette says. I always wondered what that said. Fuck fortia et patere, 
Mr. Canton says. And honestly, I can't believe you've been here for a whole year and you've managed not to know about it. We all snigger, because the start of it sounds like a swear, and Mr. C is not the swearing type. I know you're stressed, sir, but there's no need for the language, Colette says. It means, do brave deeds and endure. Mr. Canton's face has gone pinker than his tie. Actually, not a million miles from fight or die. You're kidding, I say. Are they actually taking the mick? They might as well advertise it as the school where nightmares turn real. Colette shakes her head, and we all look at each other for a moment. Wait, I need to get this right. Gus looks up, pen ready to write. Can you repeat it for us, sir? Of course, Mr. C nods. Fuck, fortier. We all crack up laughing. It means do, Mr. C says. Do. You sound like a proper rapper, sir, Gus says still writing. This is all gold. Mr. C sighs and puts his clipboard down on the table. Well, as you're insisting on ignoring my polite request to take this evening seriously, I'm going to have to lean into this situation and join the band. What up, homies? Shall I lay down some sick beats? No, we all shout. Mr. C tries painfully hard to talk like a teenager. And it's so cringe that at times it makes us want to be dragged underground by human-eating spiders. He starts beatboxing and doing a hand movement that I think is supposed to be like scratching a vinyl, but looks more like his body is malfunctioning. There are maybe three seconds of horrified silence from everyone else in the room, and then Gus puts the pen down on the table and holds his hands up. We agree to any and all demands. Just please stop, Hallie says. Right now. Colette picks the pen off the table and puts it back in Mr. C's pocket. He grins and picks his clipboard up again. At the start of year seven at Dreadwood High, none of us were friends. I was angry and bored. Couldn't see the point of school when all I wanted to be doing was helping my family. Earning money so we could pay rent, eat, keep the electric on for TV and gaming purposes, stuff like that. I put myself in this moody troublemaker box and decided I was better off alone. But then, I was put in a Saturday detention with Hallie, Gus and Naira, and it changed everything. We had to work together to stay alive and to figure out why we were being targeted. I got to know them, respect them, and even trust them. And now I can't imagine going back to the angry loner I was before. Mr. C clears his throat and puts his serious face on. Now, you know I have immense respect for all of you and what you've been through in the past year. You've shown more integrity and courage than anyone I've ever known, and I would never want to seem as though I am belittling your experiences or accomplishments. But, Hallie sighs, but, Mr. Canton puts his hand on her shoulder and Hallie rolls her eyes, this evening is a wholesome family event, and you five have been selected to represent the school because you're the best of Dreadwood High. We're not, though, are we? Gus says. I mean, maybe Naira is, because, yeah, she's A-star smart and perfect if you turn a blind eye to her drunken nana at the karaoke singing, and her embarrassing hair fails. But the rest of us? Why would Mr. Hume, the sussiest head in the multiverse, choose us? He looks around the group. No offence. None taken, I say because I've been in more than my share of trouble since I started here. 
I'm the last person I'd choose. Except for maybe Hal. Why me? Hallie glares at me like I've just stomped on her pet chicken. Hallie fights for what she believes in. Equality, freedom and animal rights. She rescued her chicken Michelle from a spider-shaped death and loves her like a sister. Because you always fight on the side of truth and justice, no matter what it costs. Like a shorter, rainbow flag-holding Batman. I shrug. Also, you've got the raging unpredictability of an angry cat. Ah, thanks, Angelo. That's actually lovely. Hallie smiles at me. I would have picked Cole, though, I say. Gus pretends to vom and throw a cushion at me, which I'm ready for an expertly catch with a grin. Oh, relationship goals, Hallie says. Excuse me, I'm totally pickable, Colette says. Like, I get good grades, I got subject staff for art last year, and her face breaks into an evil grin. Unlike the rest of you, I've never had a detention. Four cushions fly her way as the rest of us throw them at her with varying levels of accuracy. Me, Hallie, Gus and Naira getting that Saturday detention was just the first part of an insane revenge plan against us, thought up by the creepy school caretakers, the Latchets, who also happened to be Colette's grandparents. We'd all made some scrutty choices and hurt Colette at the start of Year 7, and they weren't happy about it. She's forgiven us now, and is one of us, but the Latchets haven't. It's hella complicated. Well, I'd pick all of you to represent Dreadwood High, Mr. C says loyally. And though you may suspect Mr. Hume's motives in giving you this responsibility, I'm confident that he selected you because he sees you as assets to the school. He does his best to look convincing, but I don't think even Mr. C believes it. Now, let's save our best chalky chat for the main event and focus on getting everything prepared for the visitors. I'm heading to the dining hall kitchens to fill the urns for the hot beverages and load the refreshment trolley. Ooh, there's a refreshment trolley. Gus's eyes light up. Could you lot set out the chairs around the tables and have a general tidy? Mr. C says. Then come across to the kitchens in 15 minutes to help carry everything back here. And yes, there will be biscuits for everyone who manages to get through the evening without mentioning helter-skelters being set on fire or... Stealth attacks in the girls' toilets. Yes! Gus does a little dance. Poggers, Mr. C says, and claps his hands while we all groan. I'm off before you can throw cushions at me. He starts jogging towards the door. And remember, 15 minutes in the kitchens. Biscuits for everyone, and an after-hours peek in the secret domain of the dinner ladies. Gus rubs his hands together. And there was us thinking that being at school on a Thursday night would be all boredom and misery. We finish our drinks and then laugh at Gus's attempt at rapping while we drag chairs across the room and arrange them around the tables. It's full dark outside, which makes it feel much later than it is, and I'm suddenly aware of the strangeness of being in school at night. There's none of the usual noise and movement. No slamming doors, ringing bell, students chatting, teachers shouting. What time is it? I say because I have no idea. Naira looks at her watch. 6.45. What time are we supposed to meet Mr. C in the kitchen? 15 minutes, Gus says, looking proud that he remembered. Yeah, but from when, I say. Anyone know? Oops, Colette says. I didn't check. Neither did I. Hallie sits on the arm of one of the sofas. What time did we get here? Wasn't it 5.30? Yeah, I nod. 
and that feels like ages ago. Can't have been that long or Mr. C would have come and got us. Surely, Gus says. But in a way, that makes me think he's doubting himself. Yeah, why wouldn't he have come back? Hallie stands up slowly, and I wonder if the others are feeling the creepy claws of dread trickling through their stomachs like I am. We've been through enough at this school to suspect the worst whenever anyone goes missing for more than a minute. We should go. Colette's already heading for the door. Right behind you, Naira says, and the rest of us follow, out of student services and into the biting cold of the October night, our breath hanging in the air like it's waiting for something. <laughs>